Welcome to day 186 of Shaped by the Word, season two, the drama of scripture. We've chosen 260 readings, you know, to take us to the Old and the New Testament. And we have come, you know, to one of the most dramatic encounters in scripture, the encounter between Elijah and uh, the prophets of, of, of Baal, which Ahab had, had brought into the land and which had dominated the worship of Israel, uh, which is as far from you know the heart of God as they could possibly be, you know, at this point. But you see this this word of grace and this word of judgment and this demonstration of God's power through Prophet Elijah. So as we come to chapter eighteen, we come to uh, the showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal on uh, Mount Carmel. Uh, before we do, we always treasure the moments we get to spend with God in His Word, to hear His voice, and in hearing His His, his voice, to be enlivened in Him, uh, and uh, to be transformed by Him. Uh, so before we read, uh, Matt, you mind lifting us up in prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we do ask that You would use Your Word to transform us. Um, we thank You, Father, that Your Word never returns void, and and all that you desire to do is accomplished uh, through your word. And, and so, Father, we ask as we um, read together as your body that you would grow us up in Christ Jesus and edify us. Um, help us to see uh, your glory and, and grandeur and, and marvel at who you are um, as we read um, together. Father, you're gracious and you're good. Be with us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. First Kings 18, verse 1, After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. And then from there we move to uh, verse 16. So Abadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and followed the bells. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's uh, prophets left, but Bel has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Bel's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I'll prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. Then all the people said, What you said is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given to them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered, and they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice, but there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, 
your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it the third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate, prostrate, and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is a sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, but down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and he looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. The seventh time the servant reported, A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, Hitch up your chariots and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. One of the more powerful moments in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is kind of uh, reminiscent, you know, of what, uh, you know, uh, Joshua said, you know, choose you this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods, mm-hmm. you know, of your ancestors or the gods of the people of the land you're inhabiting, as for me and my house will serve the Lord. And then Elijah says, quit wavering back mm-hmm. and forth. If God is really God serving, and if he's not, uh, he's not worthy of your time and attention. Mm-hmm. And and so they have this wonderful you know, showdown. And then it's just kind of crazy how frenzied and how uh, deeply involved, you know, the 450 prophets of Baal are doing. They're dancing, they're pleading, they're cutting themselves, and blood is and flowing from them. And uh, Allah just kind of enjoying it a little bit, just kind of, you know, kind of mocking. Maybe he's reading a novel, writing a novel, you know, uh, no telling what he's doing. Could be sleeping, could be on a trip. Just keep on going, guys. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, well, what stands out to me, of course, it's very convicting, is verse, you know, 21, where Elijah goes before the people and he says, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal is God, follow him makes me think of the New Testament passage that talks about the two masters, that you will either love the one or hate the other. So the, the whole part of even tying that in and thinking, um, choosing bef- you know, between God or Baal, that I would choose between two masters and that one would be who I would serve, but that I would hate God. That just sounds so harsh, but it's so true that my heart cannot hold two allegiances i will love one and, and hate you'll be the divided you'll be divided one and despise the other yeah. and, and and of course like you know uh, 
we we often you know think of it as well you know I, yeah sure my heart's been captured by you know things around me and stuff like that but that doesn't mean i despise god and right. when we look to those things around us rather than looking you know to god we we, we have we have despised you know we have despised god so that it is you know the same call to us you're going to be don't waver between two things mm-hmm. choose one thing and be totally mm-hmm. you know devoted to that one thing and it's so apparent here like I mean, God is so much more worthy of being followed because He's the one true God, anyways. And mm-hmm. and, and and anything outside of Him, it, it's it's nothing. And we see that so clear here that there, there's nothing worthy of following these these false gods. That you know they can produce nothing. And yet, even our hearts are still. We kind of look at this like, how do the people fall into this? And mm-hmm. but we fall into the same thing as well as of of giving our allegiance and and serving and and going after idols that in no way um, are going to bring any benefit or, or help. And they take our allegiance yeah, away from the Lord who is the one who is the only one deserving uh, of our hearts and our lives. Not just that he's the God that's taken us out of Israel, but he's the God who's taken us through his son and, and, and rescued us from sin and, and Satan and death. And you have to, you know, you have to love the juxtaposition of uh, here are prophets who are uh, giving their blood in order to, uh, in order to, for their God just to pay attention to them and see them and, and then to respond to them. Uh, and, and we serve a God who, who gave his blood in order to redeem us and bring us into relationship mm-hmm. with him. So they're, they're bleeding for their God. Uh, our God has bled, you know, for us. And in what grace it is, you know, as the Lord offers us the cup and says, this is. The blood of the new covenant shed for you so that you might know forgiveness of sin mm-hmm. and openness to God's grace and to God's fullness. What a contrast, too, between the people. You know, they're doing everything they can to... It almost makes it seem like it's, it makes it a little bit easier for Baal to be able to do some of these things. And Elijah's like, all right, let's rebuild the altar, pour a bunch of water on the wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not what you do if you're trying to start a fire. You know, it's like, it's almost just kind of if God's going to do this, he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and I love the prayer he does pray. He says, answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you're turning their hearts back again. Isn't that great? It's mm-hmm. a great line. Uh, the, and... and and not so that they will turn their hearts back to you, but you are turning their hearts. Mm-hmm. And you see the grace of him working in them to yeah. bring them back to a place where they, you know, recognize, you know, recognizes him. And of course, that is the, the very last prophecy in the Old Testament, you know, that when he comes, he'll return the heart of others to their children and the heart of the people to their God. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, you see that ultimately in the fulfillment of the new covenant in Christ when he gives us a new heart, heart for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a beautiful picture of that, but that is a nice phrase, mm-hmm. you know, tucked away in there. And the simplicity of a, a prayer offered in faith yeah. versus the frenzy of a prayer, you know, offered, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in deep doubt, they're manipulating their God, trying to use his attention, something we never have to do. We simply come before him yeah. because he, uh, he himself, uh, you know, desires to hear from us and desires to know and answer you know our prayer it didn't mean that he's going to call down fire every time we ask for fire but it does mean he loves and he cares he hears and he knows and he responds and he knows how to give good gifts to those who call on him isn't that i mean ironic for us because we do want to come as if we need to do something for god to answer us you Mm -hmm. know god i 
I'll stop doing this, you know, if mm-hmm. you'll do this or, mm-hmm. you know, God, if I pray it more often, you know, then will you answer my, you know, and, and the prayers of scripture often remind us, you know, it's not because of the, their many words they were heard. It's mm-hmm. because God's, God hears, you know, and so we, yeah, we see that with Elijah. It's not because he did all these other things they did. It, it's just a prayer and faith and yeah. the Lord hears. No, I remember a tendency, you know, as a very young man that, uh, if I was going to make a big ask of God, I would make sure that I'd had several days of consistent quiet times in a row, proving you know to uh, you know to Him that I was worthy for Him to hear my prayer and to answer. And of course, it's uh, and no, not because of any worthiness I bring, but because of the worthiness of Christ that He hears and answers uh, our prayer. And and the Son Himself is uh, ever living to intercede. For us, the Spirit Himself is crying out with groanings who are too deep for words. We've entered into a beautiful communion with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit through which He hears our prayer, responds to our need, rich in every way. David, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Let's pray. Father, how unbelievable it is that that you hear us. Um, Father, thank you um, for the deep grace that we... um, through Christ, are reunited back to you. You are the one true and, and living God, and you're deserving of all of our praise, and all of our worship, and all of our lives. And so may we live as a people um, in light of who you are and what you have done. May we live in such a way that you're glorified. And um, we, in that, find deep and lasting joy and peace. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Thank you.